Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe's Luxurious Corner Booth. I'm Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting in that luxurious corner booth with my wingman. Yes, sir. Tom Dorian. I'm here. Tom, I'm so happy to hear you. You know, Uh I owe you an apology. Oh, my gosh. You're setting me up for some kind of something, something. You don't believe that I would honestly give you an apology? (laughs) I mean, some people have listened to some of our past shows and realized that maybe... Our friends know you. (laughs) (laughs) That uh, maybe I haven't treated you with the the respect that you deserve. No, we just have fun. Yeah, we do have a lot of fun. We just have fun at my expense, right? That's exactly... Well, no, it's... (laughs) You're right, Tom. I I apologize for that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't care. But really, what I was going to talk about when I said I wanted to offer you an apology... A segue. A segue. Here we go. A segue. Segway alert, segway alert. I want to talk about apologetics. All right. You know, in the four years that we've done this program, it's yes. been four long years. It doesn't feel My like My hair's gotten years. grayer. Yes. Uh, you can't see that in the radio, but trust <laughs> me, it is. In four long years, mm-hmm. we've never talked about the concept of apologetics. How ironic. It is ironic because... because the Order of Malta sponsors this program. That's right. And the Order yeah. of Malta, as we all know, uh, has uh, uh, two great missions in their existence, their exactly. purposes for being, and that is to to uh, to, to defend the faith as one of them, and defend right. uh, or to assist the sick and the poor. Exactly right. And so, defending the faith sometimes necessarily means that we would uh, we would learn about our faith, know about our faith, and be able to share that faith in a way uh, that um, uh, that would help others to come to know that faith. Right. And so, you know, and this has had that term, and we maybe we haven't talked about this term. Okay. Apologetics, and a lot of times you say that word. And a lot of people kind of, their face wrinkles up, and they're like, apologetics? Right. What are you sorry for? Exactly. You know? So we should really talk about, really, what we're doing in apologetics. Okay. And, and, and to do that, I want to start with a scripture verse. I want to I open up uh, the New Testament. Uh, go to First Peter, that, that beautiful letter, uh, chapter 3, verse 15, and it says, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. And so I want to keep that scripture verse in mind as we talk about apologetics. Because okay. first of all we should de- we should define that word apologetics. Let's do it. And it comes from a Greek word uh, which is apologia. All right. And apologia, see now people think well apology does that mean that you're that you're sorry for something? Right. But if you think about it when you make when you apologize to somebody mm-hmm. it's not just so much that you're saying that you're sorry, but you're trying to offer up some defense for what you did. Exactly. Not making an excuse. Right. You're offering up a, a, a defense. And see, that's exactly what apologia in the Greek means. Okay. Right? Its definition is to to make a defense, uh, an explanation. Okay. Right? To explain yourself. Yep. Right? So when we are talking about apologetics in our faith, when we're talking about the Catholic faith. We're explaining ourselves. We're explaining what, what, yep. what it is we believe. Right. We're defending what we believe by explaining and helping others to say, oh, now I get it. Right. Right. And now I, I want to be clear here, and especially go back to First uh, Peter, um, that this is not, by definition, an argument or a debate or a fight or a match where a loser is necessary. Right. Like I beat them up. Right. That's not what apologetics is. Well, Peter doesn't say that either. Well, because he, he specifically says, do it with gentleness and right. reverence. Exactly. Right. He calls us to be Christ-like in this process, that we're going to share the truth, but we're going to do it with gentleness and reverence. Yeah. 
And, and and so we're offering respect to that person and giving dignity to that person, even though we might have fundamental disagreements in our theology. Exactly. Right. We're going to do this with gentleness and reverence. And so that is, uh, is very, very important. And then also the other thing we want to understand in this concept of apologetics is that that you, though you may be quoting a scripture, though you may be talking about an early church father, though you may be explaining one of the doctrines of the church, it is not you bringing that person to conversion. You are not doing that. Oh, That's you're the just Holy an Spirit. instrument, right. Absolutely. It's the Holy yeah. Spirit at work. Yeah. So we have to re- remember that it's not about us. Right. So there can't be any pride of victory and winning and, you know, I beat them down and I slammed them to the ground and I... What, it's like that's not what this is about. Yeah. Again, gentleness and reverence. And realize that as, as, as we read in First Peter, we are prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you. Yeah. In other words, people recognize in you some kind of hope. They're saying, you know what, Tom, there's something different about He's you. He's got something. I want to know what that is. Yep. Right? And so that's the most important thing that we need to understand, that we do this in gentleness and reverence. But then also... Well, let's ask that fundamental question. What are we defending? Good, good question. What, what are we here? What are we apologizing for? Right? What, are, right? what are we defending? What are we making explanation of? Right. Now, I know we've talked about the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. Right? But we want to understand the, the, the big picture here is not that we're, we're explaining a bunch of uh, random doctrines and dogmas and rules and things that the Catholic Church teaches. Mm-hmm. While those are valid things to defend, mm-hmm. the big picture tells us really what we're defending is the truth. Right. Right. We believe this to be the truth, the truth that God revealed to us. Right. Right. And this is revealed to us for the purpose of our salvation. So this is God's revelation for salvation. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the truth. Mm-hmm. That's what we're defending. Mm-hmm. We're not defending the uh, a church created by men. Right. For vanity or for pride or for power or authority or to be able to rule over other people or to own lands or to have some big fancy palace somewhere with a big, you know, wear a big pointy hat. This is not why we defend. Right. Right. uh, The teachings of the church. We defend them because they're the teachings of Christ, our Savior. Right. Right. This is God's revelation to us. And we have to be uh, uh, careful and understanding that when we defend God's revelation, for salvation, yep. we're actually defending the Catholic Church because God revealed this and God created this church to perpetuate and to spread this truth throughout the land yeah. and to dispense the graces to the peoples. And so by naturally, by defending the truth, defending God's teaching, we are defending the Catholic Church. So that's what we're defending. I'm with you, but there's a whole lot of folks out there that aren't right now. They're thinking, okay, that's not the truth. This is the truth over here. And that's when you get into a match. Well, that's when you have to start to say, well, we know there are fundamental differences, yeah. right? We know uh, we're not ignorant. We live in a world where there are lots of different ideas floating around, Yes. right? But again, what do we believe? We believe that God revealed himself and revealed himself to us in a way that this is the way, this is the truth, this is the life, right? We see in Jesus Incarnate in our uh, God incarnate, we see in Jesus our Savior. We see this hope. We see this opportunity, right? We see this as the one way. Yeah. Right. So even though there are people who have different visions, different understandings, God wants there to be one. Yeah. And so it's our task. It's incumbent upon us at this point 
to help with that process. And that leads us to the next question. Perfect. Right? We talked about what we're defending. Now we're talking about why we're defending. Yeah. Right? For that very reason, the very reason that there are people that have different ideas, different thoughts. Right? We're called to evangelize. Yes. Right? We're called to spread the gospel. You remember the Great Commission, that the 20th chapter of Matthew. Yep. Right? What does Jesus say? He says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. He tells us to go. Why does he tell us to go? Not because he didn't want us in the room with him. He wants us to spread the word. Spread the word. And mostly because the world's not coming to us. Right. Right? They're not coming to us. We've got to go to them. Yeah. So we have to take this gift. We have to take this beauty, this truth, the, the love and the mercy of this eternal God who wants us to be with him for all eternity in heaven. We, we're, we're to take this gift and we're just to, to, to give it to others, to yep. share with others. Yeah. Right? And so this is what's important. It's important that we go. Right? We evangelize. We're called to evangelize. Yep. Each of us is called to, to carry the flag of truth, to bear the banner of truth, to, to, to take it to our neighbors, especially those who are, uh, you know, less, least fortunate. Right. Right. The ones who need it the most. Yep. Um, that's, what, that's what we do. And then there's this other aspect of why we do this. Okay. Right. You remember the phrase, we've used it several times on, on this program, but we, we talk about Holy Mother Church. Yeah. Right. Well, let me ask you this, Tom. All right. Your mother's Gloria. She's a beautiful woman. Absolutely. So if I were to say something about Gloria that might have been distasteful, either a poorly chosen words or a bad joke, or maybe I was disrespectful to to your mother. We might have a problem. That's all right. We have a problem. Actually, not we, you. You will have a problem. (laughs) Tom is a much bigger man than I. I will be your worst And I would never say anything bad about Gloria. She's a wonderful (laughs) human being. But I guess my point is you you understand the concept of you're going to defend your mother's honor. Right. Well, the church is our mother. Right. Right. Holy Mother Church. And we defend her because we love her and we know that she loves us. So we defend her. She's she's she gives us life through the graces that are dispensed through the church. She gives us life just like your mother gave you life. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're going to defend her to our dying breath. Right. So we do this for our mother. Yep. Yeah. Which is beautiful. Now. We have lots more to talk about. We're going to talk about when we come back on the other side of this break, we're going to talk about what it is we do. How do we approach this concept of sharing the faith? Because I know that I probably have people listening right now are saying, okay, <laughs> I agree that we need to defend the truth, right? We need to defend the church. And I, and I understand why we need to do it. But I, I feel poorly equipped. Uh, you know, you guys pointing at me, like yeah. you deacons, you priests, you church officials – have yeah. done a really rotten job of teaching me what to say yeah, when not. this really good, intelligent Protestant comes to me with an open Bible thumping on it telling me, yeah. you see this passage yeah. where it says right here, call no man father? Right. Yeah, you guys call each other father, right, don't you? Okay, well, that's a problem. You're, you're, you're against Scripture. It's like, oh, no. Right, right, exactly. And so those people are listening to the show right now going, I don't feel equipped. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that process okay. of understanding what it is we're to do, how we're to carry out this apologetics Good stuff. in our life. All right, we'll do that All right. when we get back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Lumen Gentium, or the Dogmatic Constitution on the Church, was one of the 16 principal documents of the Second Vatican Council held in Rome, and was promulgated by Pope Paul VI in 1964. 
This landmark exploration of the nature of the church, her leaders, her people, and their relationship with God delves deeply into the heart and soul of the 2,000-year-old Catholic Church. The title, Lumen Gentium, comes from the very first sentence of this historic text, Christ is the Light of Nations, and establishes both the theme and tone of the entire document. In Lumen Gentium, the Council Fathers make clear that Jesus Christ is the very heart of the Church's identity. In paragraph 5, the Council Fathers state, The mystery of the Holy Church is manifest in its very foundation. The Lord Jesus set it on its course by preaching the good news, that is, the coming of the kingdom of God, which for centuries had been promised in the Scriptures. In the Word, in the works, and in the presence of Christ, this kingdom was clearly open to the view of men. Before all things, however, the kingdom is clearly visible in the very person of Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Man, who came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Lumen Gentium makes clear the purpose, role, structure, visibility, and authority of the one church. Paragraph 8 tells us, This is the one church of Christ, which in the creed is professed as one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic, which our Savior, after his resurrection, commissioned Peter to shepherd, and him and the other apostles to extend and direct with authority, which Christ directed for all ages as the pillar and mainstay of the truth. This church, constituted and organized in the world as a society, subsists in the Catholic Church, which is governed by the successor of Peter and by the bishops in communion with him. Although many elements of sanctification and of truth are found outside of its visible structure, these elements, as gifts belonging to the Church of Christ, are forces impelling toward Catholic unity. In Lumen Gentium, the historic Ecumenical Council of Vatican II offered the people of God a new and refreshing look at the time-honored sacred traditions of a centuries-old institution founded by Christ Himself. I'm Bester Zimski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and we are still making no apologies for our Catholic faith, but we are None. doing our best to be apologists. Yes. And so... You're doing a fine job. That's right. Doing. Now, you know, all of this talk about apologetics is important, especially because the Holy Father is called this year of faith, mm-hmm. or to spend this year learning what we teach. Exactly. Right? We need to know our faith before we can live it. We have to know it. Yep. Right? And so we're spending this year of faith to bone up on all the details. Good, good to idea. To figure it all out, right? And so then once we do Should, this... It shouldn't be just one year, by the way. That should be kind of a constant thing, yeah, don't you think? Yeah, I think the Holy Father's just trying to kick this He's off. just trying to, to get our attention. A, to, bring, to get our attention. Yeah. To bring it all into focus. And I think that out of this will come great fruits. I think there'll yeah. be... Uh, wonderful uh, blessings that come to the church uh, with with new members, uh, yeah. new vibrancy and understanding yep. for what we teach and why and where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And so those are all good things. But in all of this, mm-hmm. right, this year of faith is really just building on this this call to this new evangelization that that came to us from John Paul II. Right, right. And so we look at that as an opportunity for us to evangelize. 
Right. Right. But to evangelize about something that we know. Yeah. Right. You don't want to go to somebody with this great. Hey, I got this great message for you. Yeah. I have no idea what it is, but I just want to tell you it's a great message. <laughs> That's not going to work. Right. 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 Now. So when we evangelize, when we practice apologetics, when right. we make a defense for our faith. Yes, sir. Right. A key element in this is understanding where they are. Right. Where the people that we're about to talk yeah. to. Right. What language do they speak? Both, uh, you know, theoretically and figuratively, but also realistically, what language do they speak? Yeah. Right. And, and if you're going to communicate to somebody, right, you're going to kind of need to be understand what they right. think and how they think and why they think what they think, where they're coming from, understand their history. Yep. And when you do that, then it's going to be a lot easier to, to communicate. Yeah. Because, you know, you can go and talk to somebody about Catholic teachings. You can talk to a Protestant about Catholic teachings and you start using different words. On this show, we've talked about uh, justification as opposed to salvation, right. as opposed to sanctification, as opposed you know all these different words. You can get lost. We can get lost very easily, yeah. and all of a sudden you realize you may be saying the same thing, but you're using different words, and so yeah. you end up being separate or separated by your language. Yeah. So we need to understand where Protestants are coming from yeah. before we approach anyone about the good news. Yep. So it's a good thing for us to do when it comes to apologetics to basically study. To listen to the Protestant point of view. Yeah. Now, you may think this is crazy, but I think that we should spend a lot of time listening to Protestant radio, Protestant podcasts. We should read Protestant books. No, I don't think it's crazy. I actually think it makes you, it forces you to learn more about what you believe. I think so. Uh, I think so. But but the important thing is you're not going to be able to address someone's no. concerns yeah. no, about your own faith. It goes, what, we're just saying the same thing. It goes hand exactly in hand. Exactly right. Right. Hand hand. And, I, and I don't call people to do that so that they can be formed by this. Right. I want them to be informed by this. Yeah. So they understand where is that Protestant person, that, that beautiful creation of God, where are they coming from? Yeah. Right. So that we can, we can talk in the same terms and we can, we can realize what it is they see. Now, there are several things that Protestants view right off the bat that are different than the way Catholics see things. Yeah. Right. They see the church as being invisible or the invisible kingdom. Yeah. Right. They don't see the church structure being like what we see in a hierarchical, visible uh, living structure, like a, you know, a, a house on a hill or a light right. on a, a bushel basket. Right. Exactly. That's what we see. What they see is an invisible kingdom. Yeah. That we that we don't. It's not a brick and mortar structure or right. a, a hierarchy of, of persons. Right. 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 So it's a different perspective. Yeah. We need to understand their perspective before we can talk to them about ours. They also see that the Catholic Church has no authority. They, they believe the Catholic Church is man-made. Well, we don't yeah. believe that. No. We believe the Catholic Church does have authority given to it by God. When, when Jesus founded the church on the rock of St. Peter. Exactly. And gave him the keys to the kingdom of heaven, right? Right. We, we think that at that point, Jesus was giving authority to Peter. Yeah. Right? The first pope. Yeah. Well, they don't believe that. Yeah. So we have to understand that. So when we start quoting John Paul II or Benedict Sixteenth, They don't hear it. They don't understand. They're like, well, why are you uh, quoting the ravings of a madman? Exactly. Right? Or just an ordinary man. Yeah. Right? So we have to understand their perspective. Right? And then also, we have to realize that, that many Protestants live in what I call a world of the three M's. Okay. Right? And these three M's are myth, misunderstanding, and misleading. Uh, and I don't mean this in... And, and judgmentally. No, I'm but, chuckling right? because I'm, go ahead. Well, why are you chuckling, Tom? <laughs> no, I mean, as soon as, soon as you say that, somebody's going to go, okay, 
Yeah, you're throwing a gauntlet down right now. You're telling me no, I live in a I'm world not. of myth. You have to understand the Protestant. Right. Right? Yeah. You have to under- and I'm not going to say you're going to go in there. This is all a myth. But you have to be prepared when they come and tell you about Pope Joan, the woman pope that was right. discovered as a woman because she gave birth during some procession. Right? <laughs> this is a myth that is perpetuated okay. for centuries. Yeah. So People have, have invented this. It's a myth. It's not true. Right. History bears this out. Yeah. And yet there are people who fervently believe this. Yeah, they believe that the Pope is the Antichrist. They believe that he's got a crown that has a certain number of jewels in it that denote the number of the beast and all this kind of weird stuff. These are myths. We have a show on that too, by the right. way. Well, we have to understand that people come to us with these myths, and we have to understand they exist. Where they're coming from, right? right? So we need to learn about them. Yeah, find out about them so that we can dispel those myths, right? Yeah, and then also there is a certain number of amount of misunderstanding. Right when you talk about the the Immaculate Conception, they don't know what that means. Yeah, a lot of Catholics don't know what that You're means. Right, right. You're We're right. referring to Mary. We're not referring to Jesus at that point. Exactly. Right. And so there are a lot of misunderstandings about what Catholics believe. Yeah. Well, Catholics. I mean, I mean, what uh, uh, the Protestants will tell you that. Um, well, you you Catholics uh, believe that uh, you worship Mary. No. Right. We don't. Of course we don't. Right. But that's a misunderstanding. Yeah. Right, and so we have to dispel those misunderstandings. And then, of course, there's the saddest part of those three M's. Uh, we have myth, we have misunderstanding, but the sad one is misleading, where someone really knows the truth, and yet they spend more time focusing on something that would mislead. They purposely yeah. would mislead people yeah. to believe something that's not true. Yeah. And and that's a sadness, and I don't want to see that happen. Okay, occasionally it does. When I listen to some of the, the materials uh, th- that are on some of the Protestant radio stations, you can actually hear some people talking about the Catholic Church when they should know better. Yeah. Right? They, they've studied history, and they know that this was not the first time that someone mentioned that, you know, Jesus was truly present in the Eucharist. Someone, one particular pastor um, uh, said that, uh, well, it wasn't until the 1600s that people started to really believe right. that the Eucharist was the actual body and blood of Christ. Wow. When we have writings that go all the way back to like 110 and 150 A.D., right. St. Justin Martyr, St. Ignatius of Antioch, speak of this specifically. Yeah. Right. So we know the church has always taught that. And even, of course, uh, 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 Paul, the Apostle exactly. Paul talks about right. it in scriptures. And so we look at that and go, OK, that's misleading. You, yeah. you you should know better. And so yeah. we, we don't want to see that one as much, but we have to realize that's where a lot of Protestants are. And, of course, there's also the concept of sola scriptura. They believe that everything that they need to know is in that Bible. Yeah. Right? And we as Catholics know that we also have traditions. So we can't go in there talking about traditions when they don't believe that. Yeah. So we have to speak their language. Yeah. And when we do this, then what we're doing is we have this response. This Catholic response. And the way to approach this Mm -hmm. is to spend time and talk about what I call the tripod of apologetics, where we talk about Scripture, Mm because that's what they know, Mm -hmm. right? And this is a beautiful thing that, as Catholics, we need to understand that every single teaching of the Catholic Church is reinforced in Scripture. Yeah. Right? It is never denied in Scripture. Holy Scripture basically backs up every single Catholic teaching. You just got to know where it is. Yeah. So we need to study and read and understand our scriptures. But then also there's this concept of history, mm-hmm. right? We have these church fathers who've been teaching all along. And if you look at history, right, you realize that the Catholics got a pretty strong foothold yep. here. If you are truly open and understanding of history, you read all those church fathers, you find out that none of them were Baptist or Methodist or Protestant in any way, shape or form. Yeah. They were all Catholics. Yeah. They all believed all the things that the Catholic Church teaches. In fact, it's it's neat to to quote a blessed John Henry Cardinal Newman who said, to be deep in history is to cease to be Protestant. He was a convert. 
And he studied his history, and history converted him to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, this other uh, concept of reason. Mm-hmm. You know, the Catholic teachings, a lot of Catholics don't understand this to be true, but it is true. The, the Catholic teachings are all reasonable. They make sense. Why do we believe Christ is present in the Eucharist? Because Christ said he would be, he would be with us for all times. Yep. Until the close of the age, he said he would be here. How? In the Eucharist. It is common sense. It just makes sense. Yep. Right? These are commonsensical things. So all of these things are important yep. for us to understand. So simplify this for us. Wrap, point us in the right direction here. Well, direction is what you're, what you, that's the key word. Right. Right. You're probably looking at this going, well, how am I going to be throwing equipped? a lot at us. Right. This is a lot of stuff. We've, right. we've, we've rattled off a lot in these, uh, right. this half hour program. Yep. But here's the key. What you need to do, pick up your Bible, start reading okay. your Bible. All right. Right. Read it for all it's worth. Listen to the homilies at mass. Don't read the bulletin. <laughs> right. But then also we have these great, great gifts to our church. We have the catechism of the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. This is the best reference besides the Bible. Mm-hmm. This says everything that the Catholic Church teaches and believes. This is where it is, mm-hmm. right? You can get every answer to every question about Catholicism in the Catechism. Go to the read source. It. You don't have to read it from start to finish. Use it as a reference yeah. book, yep. right? This is important. But there's also other books, commentaries, writings, all of them that come from the heart of the church. There are great modern-day writers, but there's also great early church fathers, great commentaries, great encyclicals, great writings from the popes, mm-hmm. Right? that come to us from the heart of the church. These will help build up our faith, help teach us what it is we believe and why we believe it. And of course, realize that you're, even if you're not an expert, don't lie and say you are. If you don't know something, tell the person you're talking to, I don't know. We'll find out together. Yeah. Right? So it's a lot to think about, a lot to keep in mind, but it's, it's something we can all certainly do. Absolutely. Right? We're all called to, to, to apologize. Exactly. Right? We're all called to defend Holy Mother Church. Yeah, but what about the guy that's, you know, sit, I'm the guy that's sitting around going, I'm, it's, that's just not me. I'm not going to do that. That's not me. Yeah, we should say one final word to those folks that really just sort of feel like their heart's not, or they're not prepared, or they're not ready, mm-hmm. or maybe it's not them, it's not their responsibility. What I want everyone right now to do, right, is I want you to reach down, <laughs> and I want you to put your hands under your seat. You're probably sitting down. So yeah. you reach down, put your hands in, and feel. Is the seat warm that you're sitting on? If it is, you're in trouble. That's exactly right. If it's warm, it should be cold because we should be up. We should be standing up. We should get off our rear ends, and we should do something. Each of us is called to evangelize. Each of us is called to go out there and defend the truth. We can't leave it to others. You're right. Right. Don't let those pews, you know, get warm. You're right. Right. Let them be cold because we're out there doing the work of the Lord. Every single one of us. Yeah. Right. Have strength. The Holy Spirit will be with us. There you go. We just need to trust in God. He's always there for us. Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, through your eternal wisdom, you divinely instituted a holy church to herald the truth and distribute the graces necessary for perseverance in life in preparation for eternity. Help us to defend her teachings and so live out the gospel call you have made to each of us. We ask this through Christ our Lord, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.